For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. We're back, the Total Celebrity Show on the Total Education Network. Again, TotalTutor.net for more information. Uh, Twitter, Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Total Tutor, Pinterest, Neil Haley, and Google+. And uh, let the uh, celebrity interviews go on and on. And I always like working with Bravo stars, so I'm excited to welcome the program. Bravo's million-dollar listing star, San Francisco, Ro Habibi. Ro, thanks for calling, and how are you, man? I'm fantastic, man. I could not be better right now. Well, I could tell you're excited as can be. And, and and being a real estate agent and getting an opportunity like this, you see how New York was awesome and Miami was awesome and how unbelievable the channel of Bravo. Tell us the story how this started. I don't see, think that you told yourself a year ago that you were going to be on re- reality television, did you, Ro? No, I had no idea that this was going to happen. You know, the thing is, there's been a watchful eye on the San Francisco Bay Area economical market and also the real estate market so i mean when bravo approached me saying hey look we're going to be doing a show in san francisco million dollar listing you know i told them you know where have you been this is the perfect time to be doing a show like this here just because everyone wants a piece of this action Exactly. They all want they all want that uh, the piece of the action row. And you're like, OK, and, and especially San Francisco, when you think of real estate, you think of New York, you think of San Francisco, you think of Miami, you think of the the, the very beautiful spots. Right. That's the places where real estate. Yeah. You know, in yeah, in the domestic United States, you know, there's only about five or six cities that really, really work. You know, Seattle, New York City, Miami, Houston, um, you know, Boston, San Francisco. These are these are the areas that. There's a lot of business going on. There's a lot of investment going on. There's a lot of building going on. So, um, you know, San Francisco is the financial hub for the West Coast, you know, apart from Los Angeles. So for, for Bravo to want to do million dollars in San Francisco, I mean, I thought it would be an ideal location. And also, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be watching the show to find out what's really going on in Silicon Valley and the San Francisco Bay Area. Well, de- definitely, I'm I'm sure for sure, and they're going to say, well, what's going? And it's kind of a great way of of increasing your business. Uh, you know, when people go on reality television shows, they're not getting rich off that reality show unless you're a few different people, and yet you always screw up when you do make the money because somehow someone's ready to knock you down, and you get, and then you end up in the tabloids. But when you do it, you got it pretty much, in, and you know what I'm talking about. And uh, th- there's a few stories, especially uh, when you're talking about uh, some other sh- other stations of, that are reality shows, if we can't name names. But going through sure. that process, you're not going to make that money. You're not going to get rich off that. That's just going to help increase your overall brand so that, Ro, you can expand your your real estate empire and, and, and create a brand in so many ways. You've been a brand forever as a real estate agent, but now once you this television opportunity comes your way, you are going to be known all over the world, not just in San Francisco. Yeah, you know, so some people don't understand the, the outreach that the Bravo empire actually produces. So the show Million Dollar Listing, um, it's played in 180 countries. You know, the viewership for this season will be, you know, 25 to 30 million viewers internationally. So for myself, who specializes in the San Francisco Bay Area real estate market, I mean, no money, no dollar amount, nothing could get me this type of exposure ever. I would never be able to afford it. You know, each episode is like a one-hour commercial for Ro Habibi, the, the real estate star of San Francisco Bay Area. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm extremely honored to even be given this opportunity. It's, it's such an amazing platform to build your business and uh, to get international exposure for your buyers and your sellers. Yeah, definitely, uh, and it's it's amazing uh, the exposure that you do get for sure. And you're looking at like, wow, now international people are going to say, 
Well, when I get to, I want property in San Francisco. The first person I'm going to call is Roe. And that's just, well, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, and that's something that just, I mean, money can't buy that type of exposure. It's, it's such an amazing platform. It's the number one real estate related show in the world. So the viewership is huge. And, you know, the, it has a cult like following. So, you know, people in Rio de Janeiro and Australia and Moscow, uh, that want to buy and invest money here in the States, you know, they're going to have an agent to go to, and that's going to be me. So it's it's a fantastic opportunity. I know you can't say much about the filming of it, so let's just talk about the story. You kind of said why you were chosen, because you knew San Francisco, you were a successful real estate broker and, and all that different stuff, but what happened? How did it happen that you were approached? Because I, I'm sure that they didn't just say, okay, Rose the first person on our list, right? There has to be a story to this. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it helps that I have a pretty face and a hot body for Bravo. <laughs> right, exactly. But yeah, no, I was just joking. So so listen, you know, the thing is, in the San Francisco market, just, just in my association, there's over 4,000 agents, right? Right. Now, these are agents that, you know, some may be a lot older than me, some may be younger than me, but, but the fact of the matter is, you know, what Bravo is looking for for a show like this is a young and successful agent that they could grow with over the next several seasons. They won't, They don't want the person that's the absolute rock star, you know, 70-year-old agent that's selling everything under the sun in San Francisco. They want the agent that they could grow with that's going to become the number one agent in San Francisco. Someone that has a story, someone that has a background, someone, someone that they could explore, you know, deeper than just real estate. Like, because myself, I have a wife, I have an eight-month-old daughter. So, you know, how do you manage a job that's 24-7 around the clock and have a wife and have a newborn child? And, you know, how, how does that process happen? Because it's very difficult. So, you know, with a show like this, it kind of dives into that. You know, it's, it's not just the real estate world. It's a complete lifestyle. Definitely a complete lifestyle. So they want to see the family atmosphere. They want to have a different show than Miami or than New York because that oh, makes absolutely. it that, that that makes it up. You know, because people that are looking at San Francisco properties might be a lot different than people looking in New York and in, in, in L.A. and Miami. Oh yeah, so, it's, so, yeah it's for a, sure. It's a completely different ball game. So so in Los Angeles, you know, we could kind of consider it a little bit more flashy. You know, someone that's going to come over to an open house maybe rolling Rolls Royce or Bentley or, or Ferrari or something like that. In New York City, I mean, people are buying properties that are like $5,000, $6,000 per square foot, you know, maybe finance money, hedge fund money. It's just a completely different ballgame. So now when you come to San Francisco, I mean, you know, I have $6 million properties that buyers are coming in wearing shorts, Birkenstocks, and a T-shirt. I would never even know that they even have a dollar in their bank account. It's a very, very low-key city. Everyone that is here, you know, they don't want people to know how much money they have, how much money they're spending. It's, it's a different type of environment completely than L.A. and New York. So I think that what sells this show, first of all, is going to be uh, the, the, the beauty of San Francisco. And the uh, how expensive property is and how cutthroat it is, even though the buyers are far different than the buyers in New York, Miami, or L.A. Oh, yeah. You know, as far as just the way that the city looks, it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. It's one of the most highly visited cities in the world from a tourist perspective. Um, you know, our city's not that large. It's only seven miles by seven miles. And in that, you just have, you know, 49 different pocket neighborhoods. Every single one has a different flavor for a different type of person. I mean, we have the best restaurants in town, um, you know, the, the economy here is just flourishing beyond belief. We have biotechnology, technology, hedge funds, finance. It's the whole area is just booming. So, you know, in the past two years, there's been 216,000 jobs oh that have been created wow. here in the Bay Area market. 216,000 in San Francisco proper. We have about 40 to 60,000 jobs that have been created in the last couple of years. So, I mean, there's just a huge influx of people wanting to live here, moving their businesses here. I mean, this is the hottest place in the world to be right now. 
So, Ro, we all know, and you can't tell us about the show again, uh, that there's going to be controversy in any million-dollar listing. Any Bravo show, there's <laughs> going to be controversy. So, Ro, what makes you – so, for example, I just got an opportunity, uh, at least a casting call. It didn't happen, meaning I sent my picks. I went second round, and I didn't hear anything. But I don't know how long that process takes. I wanted to be a part of a reality television show, and I, I wanted to have a, a parenting show, uh, basically like a super nanny, but I'm six foot ten, former pro wrestler. You know, the, what a kind of kind of perfect gimmick. What a great idea. I hope people are listening right now and say, whoever that network was that don't, didn't show, choose me. So there has to be something about you that you're in their face. You're, you're, you're a kind of person who once has a high expectations for yourself. There has to be something that makes you entertaining for people to, to, to again, have you as one of the stars of the show, right? Yeah, you know, the good thing about San Francisco is it's a very liberal town, and the good thing about real estate as a career in general is you could really let your personality shine. There's nothing holding you back from being who you are. You know, you're your own boss, and you're building your business from scratch, right? So when it came to doing the show, you know, when they chose these three agents, it literally took them two and a half years for them to choose three agents to do this show. Oh, my. And and that's how difficult it is to put together, you know, a cast for it to be uh, captivating and appealing enough for people to want to watch and, and to learn more about these people and to kind of follow them and, and learn how they do the business and stuff like that. So for me, um, my backstory is pretty powerful, and I'm from Afghanistan. I was born in Kabul. I was raised there for a few years before my family, you know, got smuggled out of the country and oh, wow. moved here to, to the States. So... You know, I, I grew up with extremely humble beginnings, welfare, AFDC, Section 8 housing. Just basically, you know, my parents had no English, no education here in the States. So basically, they had to work, you know, labor, labor, you know, centric jobs in order for us to kind of grow up here, get an education here, and, and kind of make something for ourselves, basically. So now, seeing everything that they went through and seeing everything that they sacrificed in order to get us here in order for us to have these opportunities here in the States, you know, that that's kind of my driving force. That's why I want to be the number one agent in San Francisco. That's why, you know, everything that I do is kind of keeping that idea in mind that, you know, my objective now is to pay them back for everything that they've sacrificed. Oh, wow. So there's a great so, backstory to you, Ro, it sounds like, for sure. Yeah. So, so you know, when, when they saw that, they were like, holy smokes, you know, guy is a Muslim guy. He's from Afghanistan. You know, Afghanistan has been on the news ever since 2011. And all people know about the country is, is the fact that there's war there, the fact that, you know, there was the Taliban and terrorist movements and all this other BS. So now this, this kind of gives people a different perspective. Like, hey, look, this is an Afghan-American guy. Yeah, he happens to be Muslim. But one of the best damn brokers in the San Francisco Bay Area, and he's funny, and he's cool, and he's awesome. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to give people a completely different perspective than everything that they've ever thought about before. Well, definitely, and I think that uh, people are going to be really excited uh, uh, by this, especially if we've seen other shows that, again, this is something that's not, this is an original, and they're seeing that opportunity. And I'm sure during the show you're going to see Times that you were discriminated against, Ro, were not kind of at times because of your background. And even even though San Francisco is very liberal and are used to you know a multicultural type place, you're going to see these oper- these things happen, and that's part of the storyline. And are, are who else is on Million Dollar Listing San Francisco that you will be interacting with on this show to give us a heads up? Yeah, so yeah. there, um, the other cast members, or just other yes, other ca- other cast members, yes. Yeah, so the other cast members, uh, there's a guy named Justin Sickleson. And um, and there's another guy named Andrew Greenwell. So um, those are the three cast members. You could probably Google them and research them. And, um, yeah, so the dynamic for us three is interesting. You know, we all come from completely different walks of life. And, you know, there's going to be personality clashes, and there's going to be some, you know, some interesting things that you guys are going to watch and be very, you know, excited about. It's, you know, we're we're all very, very different, and at the same time, all have very dominant ancient personalities, so so that's when um, that's when some of the conflict arises, I guess you could say. Well, and I'm sure of it, and that's where it comes from. Especially you look at 
everything, every opportunity is a great opportunity because you started from nothing. And I'm sure the other Absolutely. two agents might have not. So there goes part of your process where you're going to you're going to scratch and crawl and dig your way to the top while they might have a different lifestyle. And that makes it interesting. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's a big part of it. So, yeah, you'll definitely see that. You know, the, the other two cast members, um, yeah, <laughs> we are very different. Let's put it that way. And so, and, and Ro, you're excited about July 8th for sure. What are you planning on doing July 8th? Do you have a big party oh, planned or what when it, when it comes on? What do you... Yeah, this is, it's going to be, so basically, um, you know, we're having our premiere party at the Twitter headquarters in san francisco oh wow yeah so it's going to be amazing um you know there's going to be several hundred people in attendance we're going to be watching the show together and um you know i'm i'm actually as excited as i am i'm unbelievably nervous as well because i really really put myself out there you know what i mean oh yeah oh yeah with not only with my business strategy and stuff like that, but who I am as a person, and I'm letting people into my personal life with my wife and my newborn. So for me, this is just like, it's a very nerve-wracking time leading up to the premiere here because I'm like, oh, man. So you have no idea what, what the, the final cut's going to be, do you, Ro? Do you have any Nobody idea? Nobody does. Oh, my. Nobody does. I will, I, I will watch the episode with everyone there, like, biting my nails. <laughs> and ready to say check please i'm out of here or uh, uh taxi <laughs> maybe just slip out the back right <laughs> what did i yeah, just get so myself into and you know yeah. especially in the twitter headquarters you better have that phone on you live tweeting the entire time ro i'm doing exactly. it to my aunt, and i'm live tweeting with recording a show from some of my education shows and they are just booming imagine when yeah. I, i'm going back to a live format for some for my night shows because i thought you know what if i can get this many people out on twitter just that way imagine a live show for all those people at one time viewing and you get them going you're you're golden so you really have to look at so i know bravo doesn't always train people on how to use twitter you got to become a Twitter master by July 8th, bro. Even though you're constantly, <laughs> constantly on it. You got to be ready. You got to comment. You got to comment to those fans, and then they will come to you like wildfire. And it will bring others oh, to watch the show, too, that might have not, especially in the communities that you are and what, how you want to get that international feel. That's a little bit of a tip for you because this is your opportunity. This is your platform. You go for it, especially on July 8th. Well, thank you so much, Neil. I appreciate the help, and I think I'm going to go and get Twitter for Dummies right after this off of Amazon. <laughs> well, honestly, I am I'm not. I don't consider myself Twitter master, but I really know how to really find that audience because that's the key thing. You got to find an audience, and you got to dominate that audience. And I and so it's big. So it's like now preparing. So I can't wait to the premiere July 8th, and keep tweeting out and. Keep it going, even though you're constantly busy, I'm sure, selling homes and, and, and meeting with people and, and talking to people and having interviews. So, Ro, where's the best place we can find information on you and learn more about you? Where can we go? Absolutely. You can visit my website, which is www.thehabibigroup.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Ro Habibi, R-O-H-H-A-B-I-B-I. You can find me on Instagram, Ro Habibi, and you can find me on Facebook, Ro Habibi. So pretty easy all the way around. You can Google me, and uh, definitely I would love to connect with each and every single one of you out there. Please share your feedback and your comments, uh, tips for improvements, anything you'd like. I'd love to interact with you all. And that's the key part of this. You know, Bravo has a huge audience. It's time for you to take your, create your fans and your following, which will lead you to the next level as an agent, but also lead you to other opportunities, Ro, you might think about maybe acting, maybe commercials. You never know where you're going next. And I've interviewed reality television stars after they have made it and they had their run and it was over. It's so important. It's just like talking to any professional athlete. And I'm sorry I'm giving you this advice, but I'm just trying to make sure to let you know the opportunity, which I'm sure you're well aware of, that it just will, it will spread like wildfire. You'll be spotted everywhere you go, and you got to keep that, and I don't consider it 15 minutes of fame, that stardom 
and lead it to even high, a higher level. That's the key component. Wow. So, yeah. That's fantastic. You know, you're getting me excited, man. <laughs> well, you see, I, the, the the magnitude of this for sure is huge. And Ro, you 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 go after it. You get that international audience and have a huge successful show as every million dollar listing is. And I've heard there's some decent, great feedback coming into this. So I'm wishing you all the luck in the world and best of luck, Ro. And let's definitely stay connected, man. Absolutely. I'm happy to come on your show anytime, man. Anytime. All right. Sounds good, Ro. Good to talk to you. And we'll talk soon, man. Okay. All right, thanks so much. Let me know where I can catch this uh, live stream and all that stuff after you're done with it. All right, sounds good. All right, take care. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Total Celebrity Show on the Total Education Network. Again, TotalTutor.net for more information. Twitter, TotalTutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, TotalTutor, Pinterest, Neil Haley, and Google Plus, Neil Haley. And always love having NFL All-Pros on, especially stars, especially we talk about the tradition of where he played college football, Alabama, and now he's giving back to that community. So I'm excited to welcome the program, two-time NFL Pro Bowler, Alabama Crimson Tide star, LaRon McClain. LaRon, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm good, so I'm good. So thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely, Laurent. Are you uh, are you enjoying uh, leading up to the the the, wet, the nice weather finally, and now uh, leading up to the camp? I, I'm sure you're really pumped up about it for sure. Oh man, I'm, I'm having the body. You know, uh, this year you know got the got the NFL grant. You know, USA Football Camp coming out and helping me with the camp, man. It's probably gonna be the most kids I've had. You know, this is my ninth year throwing it. You know, since I uh, since I was in the league and. And uh, just continue to doing it, man. Just, just enjoy seeing the smiles on these kids' faces, and you know they ask me all the way like back in the fall. You know when you have your camp, when you have your camp. So finally, you know we're about a week out from it, man, and everything's coming together. And, and it's very interesting. Every year you do this, LeBron, either when you were playing football or life after football or, you know, training and specific things, uh, seeing these opportunities of how to put together a camp like this. First of all, why did you start it? I, uh, are you from Alabama, by the way, LeBron? Yes, uh, I was born in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and, you know, moved down to, you know, Tuscaloosa, Alabama when I was in the sixth grade. And one of the first football games I seen was, you know, Alabama versus, you know, Miami in the Sugar Bowl. You know, and I fell in love with, you know, Alabama football ever since. And, you know, me as a kid growing up in Indiana, uh, Rod Wilson from Fort Wayne, Indiana, yes. he used to come back and throw free football camps for kids, you know, in our city, in the city. Free football camps. You know, my mom came for it. He sent me to a big-time camp, but he used to come back every year throw that free camp, man. We used to go out there, you know, uh, every year and just enjoy ourselves and just enjoy, you know, being taught by NFL guys and learning about character and respect. You know, that's something that I was brought up on by going to that camp. It helped me out a lot, you know, and I just want to do the same thing. I said, well, as soon as I get in the league, I will have a camp. I would never charge a child to come to enjoy a game that I grew up on and that I love. And, you know, that's how I really just got started. started doing, you know, I just want to thank Ron Wilson, you know, for allowing us to come out to this camp as a, as a, as a kid and, and, uh, and now I'm just giving back to my community the same way. LaRon, you're giving a shout-out to our flagship station in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, when you talk about uh, Rod Woodson, for sure. Uh, what a great player. One of my favorite uh, players for the Steelers. Love to have Rod on. I've had a lot of the that 90s team, which was a very good Steeler teams, yet they never uh, reached that crown of a Super Bowl. He had to get it with Baltimore, but we're not going to talk about that one now. But uh, <laughs> that's something where we won't discuss it. when he finally did reach the crown. It was with another team. But uh, the, the whole thing about, I guess, this tradition, in, in Alabama, and when you uh, when you had a successful NFL career, did you say when you so, decide to start this camp, did you say this is where I wanted to be in Alabama? Just because I got my opportunity, uh, you know, in Indiana in specific ways with Rod Woodson, that I wanted to do the same thing in my community where I grew up, where I, uh, you know, I know you bleed crimson tide. I'm sure uh, for sure, and, yes, and, and and to say I could now. Uh, help mentor these kids and get these kids on the right track and, and really motivate them to, to reach their dreams and goals and aspirations in life. Isn't that correct? Yes, sir. You know, like, like I said, man, a lot of things that I learned from Rod Woodson camp, I used to take, take with me, you know, as a kid and, and understand as in respecting your adults and, and going to school and uh, giving back, you know, to your community. You know, and I know when I started, started down here, you know, it started slow. Boys, you know, we had about 150 kids the first year and every year, you know, it just getting bigger and bigger. You know, the more, the more, and getting more sponsors for it, and, and more people just willing to help me come out and just see all the positive that, 
you know, I'm doing in my community, man. If people just want to come out, just anything I can do, man, to volunteer, anything I can help, I just want to be a part of it. You know, and this year is probably going to be the biggest one. We probably had to have a cutoff line, you know, uh, next year. So I know we probably have over, like, about 400 kids this year, man, just coming out trying to enjoy themselves. And, you know, I got a lot of activities for them. And, and even not telling them to bring the little ones out there. They got the kids that's like two and three and four, five years old. Bring them out there because I'm going to have a lot of, lot of stuff for them, too. You know, I just want the whole community to come out and, you know, just support it, you know, and just support something positive, you know, that I'm trying to do and try, just try to do whatever I can. If it changes one kid's life, I feel like I did did, did my job, you know, but I'm I'm, I'm, I'm focused on, you know, changing all four, 400 of them. And that's that's tremendous. And so tell us how the camp is broken down. Like the first year you did the football camp till now, I'm sure you've made logistics changes and things like that. But you looked a lot how Rod ran his camp, correct? And you saw yes. this is the kind of how the model I want it because I really want the things that he was able to bring to me and teach me. I want to teach these kids. Yeah, the main thing, you know, I know when, when I have my drills and we try to break it down, about five minutes of drill when I'm signing the autograph, I get all of them to look me dead in my eye and I, especially in my drills, and I try to get all my coaches to do the same. Just give them something motivated, something that they can take with them, you know, when they leave this camp, something that they, they remember always, or when they in, in their weight room working out for their team, or when they're in the classroom, or when they're just out in the community, or out in, out in life, you know, just give them something positive, you know, to think about. You know, and I'm always talking about finishing, finishing everything that you do, you know, and always taking schoolwork first, let football be your plan B, you know, and make sure school your plan A. You know, and then when you when you had that school as you're playing, hey, everything else is gonna fall in line for them. So, you know, that's why I try to get to the kids and you know, just to see the smiles on their faces and to see some of the kids. I know a guy that came in my camp when he was young, uh, you know, nine years ago, young guy. You know, he came as a young kid and now he's like one of the top running backs, you know, in the state now going to Hillcrest High School, man. And you know, just and he works out with me at the gym. I work out in the afternoon, just being in there and seeing him at how he has grown and and to the mature man that he is now, and him being, you know, one of the top running backs in the league, already got uh, in the, I mean, the state and already got, you know, offers from colleges as a uh, as a junior, you know, is amazing. I feel like, you know, me personally, I, I, I pat myself on the back a little bit because I feel like him come to my camp, I know he took something from that, you know, and applied it to his everyday life, man, and look at him now, you know, sky's the limit. Well, it definitely seems like sky's the limit for him, and and I hope I, I bet you want him to go to Alabama for sure. Uh, I think. That, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Roadside, all day, every day. Roadside. Hey, that's that's definitely uh, uh, the situation. You hope your Alabama team uh, does better than last year after you know so many unbelievable years, and it always yeah. goes in cycles. And if anyone that wears an Auburn T-shirt to your camp, what do you do, Laurent? <laughs> Oh man, I, I, I'm a, you know I'm talking, you know I'm talking about him a little bit, you know, but you know it's a, it's all it's all fun and games, and they come out. I'm had to put him in one of the camp shirts quick, so you had to take that off ASAP before you step on the field. And put on one of the camp shirts, man. You know, so it's amazing to hear the stories of the rivalry. It's amazing for sure, uh, definitely. And uh, oh man, it's, it's one of the best ones I've ever been in, other than you know Pittsburgh and you know Baltimore. That's a huge one, uh, also, but. Alabama, Auburn, man. When that week comes, I got a chance to go to the Iron Bowl this week. And I mean, this year, this, this past year, man, and it was awesome how that game turned out, and all that, how, all the ups and downs, and both teams doing good, and me sitting around, you know, a number of Auburn fans, and how they looked after the game, and all the pictures I took over, you know, it, it was awesome, awesome feeling. Well, it definitely seems like an awesome feeling. And tell us specifically uh, about the camp. I know you said it's almost filling up, but what air, where is the camp located and everything, for sure? And yeah, the, the camp is Christian Academy. Uh guy that I played ball with, Chris Melly, he's the head coach over there now. Uh, I played with him in college. He's the head coach over there. Now. Let me use this facility, you know, and uh, it's easy access for everybody to get to. I used to have it up in my, my high school, but it's so far away. A lot of parents can get their kids up there, so I moved it to like a central, uh, a neutral location, man. And I'm over there. Great facilities, man. Great coaches come out there and help me. The ACA, that's that's the name for it. Uh, the camp starts at eight o'clock. Registration starts at eight to nine, and we go keep this thing off from like nine thirty to about one, man. Just enjoying football skills and safety skills, you know. And I want to do a little something, talk to the parents about stuff too, about you know, you know, there's a lot of concussion things going on with, with kids and. And how how yeah, how coaches not really protecting you know their kids and teaching them how to properly tackle, you know. So there's a lot of stuff that the parents can learn that that I'm gonna be giving out. I got I got a a girl I went to high school with. She's 
she's in a, a big place now, you know, the city council and everything. She's coming out to talk to the older guys about the ACT and uh, GPA, oh, wow. okay. how, the, how the requirements and all that is changing, you know, in 2016, how they got to be ready and prepared for that, you know. So there's a lot of, lot of, lot of new things that I'm doing this year. It's just I just build on every year. And I just think them talks and, you know, everything coming. I got Jimmy Johns coming. A guy I played with college, but he got in a little trouble while he was in college, and he has to live in testimony about high years, high years now, and just talking, talking about one mistake, you know, can 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 ruin everything for you, you know. And uh, so he's coming to talk to the kids. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I can't, I can't wait. Well, we have to connect sometime, Leron. I, I do. I have a tutoring and consulting company, but I'm looking to do some uh, webinar type things involving the ACT and SAT prep. So we'll definitely have to reach out sometime, especially and see how your organization can work with mine for sure to help those kids. Because again, those tests so important to get uh, to qualify and move on for sure uh, to the NFL. I've been, yes, too, sir. Yes, I've, been sir. I've been working with kids uh, in the Pittsburgh area that are four and five stars and uh, getting them ready for the test for sure. So it's it's very interesting. Yes, sir. It's very, 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 very important. I know she when she came to me and told me, talked to me about it, I said, this something they, they need to hear. If I could have heard something like this, you know, with me coming out and, and by going to college and what you need and how you got to take that school serious. That's why I try to put it on them. Just like put it put it in their heads. Like make football your plan B because you're going to need it at the end of the run. No matter how good you is in football, you're going to have to qualify with them grades to get into college. So. That's a big, 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 big important thing. Okay, so what's new, also new with LeRon? Anything else for our listeners out there to hear what, what you're currently doing? What's going oh, on? Oh, man, me right now, man, I'm just I'm just training, you know, every day. Uh, I got a new agent now, you know, Derek Simpson, man, out of Huntsville, Alabama, man. We got a, I got a few teams calling me, you know, just trying to uh, step my foot back into the league, you know, just to, just to end it the way that, just to end it the way that I started, you know. So I got a few teams after me right now, and uh, I'm just training twice a day. Same grind, different day. That's what, that's what I always tell people, man. I'm just doing whatever I can to be, be focused and focused in the term of humble and hungry, man. Just getting ready for my opportunity. And I feel like it's coming. You know, I dropped like 25 pounds, so I'm probably in some of the best shape I've ever been in, probably since my rookie, rookie in uh, second year. You know, so whenever I get the opportunity to step back on the field, just to show these coaches that you know I can still play and still move around and still do my thing and plus do more. You know, it's going to be it's going to be a great, 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 great uh, time for me. Well, so, you need a, you know, you, to it. We need a fullback with the Steelers. So let's hope you uh, get that oh, man, opportunity. I hope I can get up there. I, I love playing the, the, the black and gold, man. I know some Ravens fans hate it, but they love it. <laughs> you know, if I come in town, you know, and do my thing. But I love it. It really don't matter. But they had an NFL team in Alabama I played for, you know, so I'm just, <laughs> just trying to do whatever I can, you know, the, the way to be prepared the, for the opportunity. The way the NFL works, you never know. And I'll, I'll keep I you my, I'll keep you my <laughs> prayers to get that opportunity to get back in the NFL so you can finish your career like you started. I mean, any, not many people could sit down and say they're a two-time pro bowler. You know, you know and it's just a, and you definitely had a, a good career, and now you're definitely showing how great you give back to the community and hopefully get one more shot. And I hope you have that shot. And I think you feel very confident that you do. So where's the best place we can find information on Leron? First of all, for them to register to the ca- for the camp and also find information on you. Uh, information on me, man, you can follow me on Twitter, Leron underscore McLean 33. Um, pretty much you can, uh, for, the, for the camp, the for the camp is, uh, is at USA Football Camps uh, slash, uh, backslash, you know, sign up and uh, just, just log in my name, Leron McLean, and you can uh, sign in to that to register. And plus, you can look on my, my Facebook fan page, LaRon McClain. It has all the information for the camp on there. You know, all the email information you can email. You know, my PR for registration and everything. It has everything, you know, on my fan page and, you know, everything on my Twitter. And follow me on my sport account. That's the same thing, LaRon underscore McClain 33. Uh, a great, great thing I get outlet to, to the fans and all that, too, you know. So, looking forward to it, man. I just want to, you know, thank all my sponsors that I got this year and, the guys that are helping me, pretty much helping me every year, my trainers, you know, the trainers that I've been training with, you know, for, for years now, they come out and do a great job for me, man. So I know I appreciate them. And, you know, I'm looking forward to it, man. I can't wait. I can't wait to, you know, change change somebody's life, you know, next next Saturday. It's going to be hot, I tell you that. I got a snow cone machine coming this year, so 
they got to have the ices out there, man. It's going to be so loud. All right. Well, fantastic, Laron, and uh, best of luck with all the with the, with the camp and everything. And and let me know. Reach out to me via Twitter at Total Tutor, and let me know when you uh when you are back on another NFL team. I'm hoping to hear the Steelers, but I hope you pick up uh, pick up on some NFL team and you're back where you you belong in the NFL. So good talking to you, Laron, and best of luck. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, man. Be blessed today. Man. All right, Thank you, you. you too. Take care. All right, see you later. Bye-bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. Uh, I'm sure that you've been staying tuned and watching the show every week on uh, Bethel Park TV in Pittsburgh and also internationally, radio and television. And I tell you, uh, the guests every week get better and better and interesting and interesting. And I like having a producer than being the only, being myself the producer when it comes to radio. So our guest this week is just a phenomenal athlete who is really helping kids now and looking at fitness and looking at childhood obesity. So we're going to look at an NFL career, college career, life after football, and how he's truly making the difference. So I want to welcome the program, former NFL and NCAA star Anthony McClenahan. Anthony, thanks for calling. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, no, I just got done work running my first boot camp this morning. It started at 5.30. My, my six-year-old Easton also comes every morning with me. He gets up at 5 a.m. So it's it's definitely, uh, definitely a great morning, and it's beautiful here in Bellingham. Uh, I tell you, when we talk about this, Anthony, about you know getting to get up, work out, get your kid up, and just really be happy about each day and rising, and and, and I think that's what it is. You have your passion. You know, some people well, say, "Why get up this early in the morning?" But you're passionate about what you do. Well, I tell you right now, my dad, Brent McClanahan, had played with the Vikings for 10 years uh, back with uh, Bud Grant. When I was my son's age, he would get me up uh, when he was in town and whatnot. He would get me up at, at three or four years old and, and go out and run with him. And my son started at the same age. And it's, it's nothing better than getting up with your dad in the morning and getting in a workout and knowing that as soon as you hit junior high and high school, they have a thing called zero period. Hey, you, you're going to have to get up anyway before class and, and, and go work out. So why not start early? And that's a great story to start about fatherhood and thinking about how much your father was an influence on you, Anthony. You said he was a former NFL star that played again for Bud Grant. So at that time, there was not a lot of money in the NFL. So it was at that point, even in, if your father probably had to work another job. I mean, I talked to Andy Russell and different people like that. So your perspective of being a son of an NFL athlete, it was a different perspective than we talk about if your son and seeing you playing in the NFL and sports where money is a little bit better than the days when he was playing, right? Exactly. Um, they, he, they just did a story on him with Super Bowl. He lives in Bakersfield, California, and they, and they talked about um, the amount of money that he made. I believe his first contract with the Minnesota Vikings was fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> you know, so you know his his intensity and drive and stamina and 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 just the hard work that he had to put in, and and of course working other jobs to just sustain it. I mean, luckily for them. They they were uh, they went to three Super Bowls and they they were always they had the purple people eaters and you know they they always had something going on so media would always pay some other bills for him and advertising but at the same time training was like key and that's where I learned it you know I learned it from from him as far as training but I think the most important part of that it was the nutrition factor I mean if it wasn't for 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 my grandmother my mom's mom. Um, that I don't think he would have been able to play as long as he did. And I know with my career, I, w I would have been able to play for the time that I did, even though I did have a major injury. I, I think the nutrition was a, was a main factor. So, you know, we, we are true believers of, uh, of nutrition. And now, and I've also wrote a book called The Power of 14 that talks about a lot of things like that. And, you know, weight loss is my key factor, but um, um, in inflammation and toxins and, and trying to overcome those, that, that's the most important part of it. 
Uh, so. we're, de we're definitely going to get to that, but I really want in the first segment to focus on your career and then just before career, because I think this is so amazing. So you got to travel with him and really see what the NFL was all about, didn't you, with, with your dad, Britt, right? You got I, to, I yeah. did. I mean, I, I was able to go to Super Bowls at, at three and four and five. I mean, I, I, watched, my dad, I watched my dad do some most amazing things um, when I was a kid, when I was younger. I was in Bakersfield. He was in Minnesota, of course. I lived with my mom. And, um, you know, he would always, um, when, when we had time and, and when he had time, because, you know, football takes a toll on you. There's a, there's a busy schedule. As much as, as much as you want to be home, I mean, it's, it's a 12-hour day, easy. Um, to be to be at the stadium, even though even still today, I mean, you, you started some some guys started at 6 a.m. I know that uh, Russell Wilson up here in Seattle. I mean, he he's in he's watching film at 6 a.m. You know, yeah. back then, I mean, seriously, it's a full time gig. I mean, you might get home at midnight if you're lucky uh, during the week. So and coaches are it's even it's even harder on them. So I mean, there's not a lot of time, but he made time for me to actually do the things that I needed to do to get to get to where to get me where I'm at today. And I saw every every level and stage that he went through from from the injury to the losses to the wins. Uh, I remember Bud Grant is an was an amazing guy. He is an amazing guy and. I remember that um, every time the Vikings lost, <laughs> this is funny. They had, on Sunday when they went back and watched film, they had to run five miles. There was no football going on when they lost. But Grant made those guys run miles and miles and miles. We're talking like, and I played in Canada too. So up there in Winnipeg, I believe it was up in Winnipeg first, and then up, you know, Minnesota, obviously. I think it, don't quote me on that, but I think Bud Grant was was coaching in the CFL or, or affiliated with them at some point. But. Uh, but I remember his his philosophy was if you lose you work harder and it has nothing to do with football you will run you will be in the best shape of your life because you lost because you were out of shape and that's the reason why and so that so my so I think coaches put that in your head at an early at an early stage in your life and some coaches really don't care about being in shape they want to have skill and technique right. but but this coach was. You're going to be in shape, and we're going to be the best, and we're going to outplay these guys because of how the how amount of fitness that we have, and that was crucial. Those guys didn't have a lot of injuries back then because they were in shape, and it, and it wasn't very big either. I mean, if you look at half the team, right. there were some small guys that played for the Vikings in the '70s, early '80s, and uh, they they ran all over you. I mean, smaller, and and still today, I mean, speed kills, right? They had exactly. fast guys, smart guys, and that's that was the key. So how, especially you said your father worked such long hours, how involved was he in your education, meaning like school and the importance of school and looking at, you know, what, because at that point, maybe he thought you had possibilities of playing in the NFL, but he knew that, that there's going to be life after football. You're seeing it specifically growing up with him. Uh, but tell me what he thought of education in the house and how important that was. Well, I, I never. My mom and dad divorced when I was three. It's way prevalent now. I mean, it's, you seem. It seems like every household there's a there's another mom and another dad, and so I was a part of that part Blended of that component. Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, blended family. But the thing was, he was in Minnesota. I was in Bakersfield. I was back and forth. When he was on the off season, he would come home, and that's where I had a chance to to really understand and, and get to meet the other side of the family because. I have my, my family where, and, and so most people don't know this, but the Marion family, that guy brought Marion to play with the Cowboys, Detroit, and Miami. That's my first cousin. So we also had another side of the NFL. There's a, there's a lot of us. <laughs> and so me and Brock were always together, uh, and we were with my grandmother, Clara Marion. And Grandma Clara Marion was the one that put school into my head first. It wasn't so much my dad because he was sports, 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 but they really pressed education. He was an ASU graduate. So obviously he had a scholarship. Right now he's like one of the top. He's had uh, Teacher of the Year in California three years in a row. Oh, wow. Dad, my dad is a computer genius and a, he's really really smart. And all through life he would talk about impress school. But if it wasn't for my grandmother, because <laughs> she was the one out. on top of you, making oh, sure you make sure you're oh, doing my. those studies and all that stuff. Oh my God, Grandma Clara Marion was the was the she sit you down and say, look, you're not running a football, you're not even going out to the garden, you're not playing with friends until you get your school now. So here it is, here it is, two o'clock, 
And I'm sitting at the table till four. And Grandma's like, "Are you done yet? Are you done yet? Now you can go play." It's four thirty. Well, Grandma's getting dark. Well, exactly. I got you in the house. You're safe. There's no problems. We're good. <laughs> so, it, I mean, she wanted to keep us as close as possible. And you know, we didn't grow up in the safest yeah. neighborhood. I was with grandparents. They were on the other side of town. I mean, you know, it was a it was a rough area. And so, education saved us. Grandma saved us. And, and school was like number one before any sport. I love hearing that. And you know what, Anthony, it's interesting, and I think that a lot of people don't look at the professional athletes, that school is a, was a number one priority for many of the athletes that are today in playing sports. Because if they didn't have those, when you look at recruiting for colleges and stuff, they pick a certain player based on GPA as well, not just always the talent. They're going to say, who's the one's going to be able to stay in school and graduate or keep the grades throughout that 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 their their career so really to stay on top of things to stay in eligible a lot of athletes that have that uh you know drive it's because they had that education drive as well and understand that there's good life's not going to all be about sports forever exactly i mean it's so important and i always and I, you know i say it right now and i tell my son i tell my, my baby easton he's you know like i said he's six i'm like save your money we're gonna try. We're gonna try to take some online classes or talk to my my, my accountant, my bookkeeper. I want you to see these other people because they're gonna, they're the ones that are gonna tell you to, to to really really take care of yourself and get an extra push in education and, and try to find a focus, a study that you're really gonna like and, and move forward on. It's funny because at Washington State, they <clears throat> they gave you all these core classes and they said you're really not gonna understand and know your career fat path, path that you're on until your fourth year in college. And I'm going, man, that's 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 a long time. <laughs> Four more years, and I'm not going to know what I want to do. you got to take all these prereqs, and I'm going, you know what? Before I even got to Washington State, I already had it determined in my head what I wanted to do because I was already prepping myself with people that I were around at 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. It was already a set stage. You're not going to play football all your life. But I want you to, Grandma said this, I want you to pick three or four things specifically That's that you great. know you're really good at. And then when you get out of college, you, you might pick one, maybe two things, but you're going to but you, you're gonna run with them, you're going to play with them a little bit, but you're always going to come back to your number one baby, always. That's fabulous. And so, unbelievably, uh, Anthony, I'm having a blast talking to Anthony McClanahan, uh, former NFL NCAA star, and we didn't even get to Washington State yet. So we'll try to quickly in the next segment uh, talk a little bit about your your career and then life after. But Anthony, we got about a minute to our break. Really, you decided early you wanted to be an entrepreneur and do all these different things at nine or ten years old because that's amazing. I did. That's true. That's I, I honestly did. I mean, I saw my grandparents do it. My grandfather, he owned his own business. My grandmother helped him. I mean, everybody that was around us had to have something else, not just working for a person. They needed to do something else that was going to benefit them and that they can set their own schedule. Athletes set their own schedule. It's, it's really difficult to not be on the same schedule you were as an athlete when you're not playing anymore. So you have to figure out a way to continue that path. It makes you happy. Exactly. And I think that when you're in, not in control of things, really, but as an entrepreneur, you at least are controlling your schedule and you know when you can be at things and different things and they can pull you together and it's a life lesson. But I think as an athlete, you strive to be the very best. When you're working for yourself, you have to put the bar high if you want to be a success or your business is going to close or you're not going to have enough clients and you're not going to be the very best. And when you work for somebody, at times you can be mediocre. But when you own your own business, if you're mediocre, it's not going to be long till you're going to be working for somebody else. Isn't that true, Anthony? Exactly. 100%. you got to be a champion every second of your life when you own your own company, period. <laughs> That's exactly. Because how many of them make a profit, really, honestly? And how many of them are small businesses are truly a success? And we get back more with Anthony McClanahan. And we're going to go now, life after football. He's going to give me a quick, quick summary of Wash State and then also his NFL and CFL career. You're watching Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment.
We're back to the Neil Haley Show, and I'm with Anthony McClenahan, former NCAA and also uh, NFL star. And, and again, uh, a family, the McClenahan family, we look at specifically enough, his dad played as well, and uh, with the Purple People Eaters. And I had Justice, uh, oh my gosh, it's coming to me the second, that played for Minnesota as well. And uh, the, the Supreme Court Justice uh, Allen on my Al show. Page. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, so, Daddy Page. Daddy Page. Yeah, yeah Allen Page. Allen Page. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, so you had a relationship. He is phenomenal. And what he's doing, uh, Justice Page, in, in, uh, in Minnesota with, with uh, the inner city youth is phenomenal. His foundation is bar none, Anthony. I mean,. I talked to what he does for education in Minnesota, and, and he's, he's tremendous. And so continuing the conversation, you decide to go to Washington State. Why Washington State, Anthony? Just kind Because of, they, have, they have the best hunting and fishing in the entire United States, and I'm a hunting and fishing fanatic. <laughs> Just being honest, Mike Price, and, uh, Mike Price and Bill Dover came to my house. And, or excuse me, Eric, Eric, Dennis Erickson and Bill Dover came to my house and said, look, we know that you hunt and fish. You can come to our college and be the best hunting and fishing person ever to ever hit the planet. And that excited me. So I, I ended up taking a trip there. And that wasn't my first trip. I went to Longhorns. I went to USC. I went to right. UCLA. I'm from Bakersfield, so I could have stayed, easily stayed home. Those schools, they were overrated and too big, and I wanted to make a difference, and, and, and I did make a difference. There's no one that has broken any of my records I've ever set at Washington State to this day. And uh, there's a couple other guys that tried, and they didn't hit it. And I'm, I'm happy to say that I'm glad that I made the decision to go to Washington State. Go Cougs. I mean, okay. right, right, today, right today, the things that they do for their athletes after college is amazing. And I'm, I'm with them. I talk to them. I train a lot of different people that are on boards here in the Bellingham, Washington. And I can't say enough good things about it. But I can tell you what, my mom cooked for Dennis Erickson. She mm -hmm. made she made a good chicken dish. Uh, McDonnell, which is which was another coach that was there. He came as well. He actually did all my uh, academic requirements and worked with my counselors when I was at Bakersfield High School, who just won the state championship in California for high school football. They continue to do that. Uh, BHS Go Drillers. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a place of, uh, I can't, I don't know, it's, it's hard to describe Washington State. It's yeah. the best school on the, on the planet. And the reason why I think it is is because that town is so small. Oh and and it's nothing better when you're there. It's different than being in Seattle with those Husky guys, those other guys. It, it's being off campus is what it is, and coming or off off community, going into a campus that as soon as you get there, it's about family. There's you know at the time that I went there, there were and you know if the, if the campus left, there were only like six thousand people in town, oh. and then. And then I think the school was at 24,000 or something like that. I'm sure they've since grown. They've, they've done amazing things to the campus. But, you know, I got there. Uh, Marlon Brown, Steve Broussard, uh, um, were, were my, Tim Starworth were my hosts. I mean, these guys all played in the NFL. Right. You know Broussard. And, 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 you know, and I said, I love you guys. What is it that – and thank you for, for being who you are, but why are you a coup and why, why are you here? They said, because we go to bowl games, and we have this man named Dennis Erickson, and he will lead you to the promised land. And he did. But then, unfortunately, he left when I was well, – when he left, as soon as I went to Washington State, he had left and went to Miami. And he, and he sent me a letter, and he said, hey, McClanahan, would you like to go to Miami with me? I said, you know what? I can't do that. My mom just paid $1,000 to send my stuff to Washington State. We'll never get that money back. I'm going to stay a coup. And Mike Price came in, and we had, and, and, then Drew, and this kid named Drew Bledsoe came in, yeah. and, and away, away you went. I mean, this guy signed for $48 million. He was one of the most amazing quarterbacks ever, and Mike Price is one of the most amazing men I've ever met in my life. And I, and I owe it all to, to Mike Price and Bill Doba. Uh, and Mike Zimmer, Zimmer, who is now head coach of Minnesota Vikings, those guys made me who I am today. You know, it's, it's so interesting, Anthony, with all the, the conversation, talking about specifically uh, Washington State and how much a Cougar uh, alum and bleed uh, Washington State for short records. What records do you hold at Washington State? Then we have to get um, to your quick summary of the NFL because we got to promote your what you're what you're currently doing. 
USC, USC, I'm a solo tackles, 23 solo tackles on my own. The only reason why I didn't hit 30-plus is because Bill Doble pulled me out. Um, I was I was rated, uh, I believe, in 94. I was rated uh, number one in the nation in tackles next to, or uh, as a linebacker, next to, uh, what was his name that went to Florida? Oh, my God, I can't even think right now. Um, I'll get, we'll give it to that. I'm thinking it right now. But anyway, that's one of the records that's at Washington State. And then all-time tackling um, at Washington State. No one's ever broke that in the history of Washington State. So, I mean, you can go back and look. And I'm pretty happy about it. I hope that one day my son will be able to do that. <laughs> oh, so you want him to play football, follow your footsteps. So what a family that's becoming. For sure. Now, you, you, once your career is over, Washington State, you you, you had aspirations of the NFL. So, what were you? What draft pick were you when you went to the Cowboys? You know what? I was, I had a really terrible agent experience, and the guys that were representing me uh, to be rated number one and two would be up for the Buckets Award and get taken down to that ceremony on a plane with your coach and not get drafted was a, was a downfall for me. Yeah. Uh, because of the agent I had who was representing a, a basketball player in the, in the NBA. I won't say who it is, but uh, what happened with me is after I came back from the East-West Shrine in the Hula Bowl, I was sick actually in Hawaii. I, Jason Seahorn and Willie McGinnis were, were my roommates over there, and those guys, I mean, we had the greatest time, but at the same time, and played great, but I was sick the whole time. And I think that that Hula Bowl might have messed me up because of that. I had a great East, uh, East-West Shrine game, but I think the hula kind of messed me up. I came back. Mike Price says, you know, you didn't play the greatest in the hula bowl. You got these agents, but I think you might be okay. Seattle called me second, third round. Pittsburgh called me. All these teams called me, and all of a sudden on the seventh round, um, uh, the phone just stopped ringing. And uh, I went as a free agent to Dallas. Mike Zimmer went over there as a D coordinator. I made it from number six linebacker all the way up to, to number two, and I was, re- I was uh, behind Dixon Edwards. And uh, for Dallas, and then all of a sudden, I broke my ribs. Three of them got cracked. Leon Lett hit me right in my ribs uh, on a play uh, that we were tackling, actually trying to tackle Emmett. <laughs> and I broke my in the practice, and I, and I broke my ribs, and I had to sit out for about two weeks because of my ribs. And then I finally came back, and I played against the Vikings and had a great game, and all of a sudden, I get the most nastiest concussion. Uh, and I just had problems with it the whole time and um, with, with injuries and things, and that's when uh, they asked me. Jerry Jones pulled me into the office and goes uh, with, with Barry Switzer, hey, uh, we got an opportunity for you to go over to Europe while you're getting better and go play in the World League Europe uh, for Amsterdam. And uh, I took it. Deion Sanders was coming in that year. They had a rookie issue, a rookie cap issue with money. And uh, so me and Jermaine Younger, both linebackers, uh, went over to uh, – I went over to uh, Amsterdam, got drafted for – and went to Atlanta, then went to Amsterdam for that whole draft thing and played. And we won the World League with Al Luganville that year. Uh, and then I came back, and I busted up my finger pretty bad over there. And I couldn't – practice was going on in Dallas, and they asked me again. They're like, well, you keep getting injured, but you keep playing. You're not going to stop. You keep rolling. What, what do you want to do? You're going to sit around for six weeks? We could probably hold you on, or you want to go play ball? Right now, because we can't allow you to play with your finger, uh, Wally Bueno called me from Calgary, St. Peter's, and said, we got a job for you right now. You can be rookie of the year. I came over there, and, and I played, and I got rookie of the year in the CFL. <laughs> so, so how many years you know, did you I mean, play in the CFL? Uh, 94 to 99. I had a bad, bad injury. Uh, I, I cracked my C4, 5, 6, and 98. Went to two great cups with Doug Flutie. Jeff Garcia oh my, was my quarterback. Yeah. I played with uh, I played with um, Doug Flutie over there in Calgary, and then he ended up going to Toronto. And then uh, I, I, I left in '99 because I messed my neck up pretty bad. It's all in my book that I wrote, Power 14, that talks about all that stuff. But I had a great experience Calgary and the Great Cups, and all these guys that I played with. Um, I ended up uh, wrestling for the WWE right after, and uh, Battle Dome. Uh, excuse me, I went to Battle Dome in LA. I worked with a lot of different guys, wrestling and, and doing TV work and things like that. After, I mean, I've had a great career, great life. It's been awesome. There's been ups and downs, but the most important part is I stayed me always. I was always committed. Yeah. So you and I have a a, a, a a brotherhood. I was a professional wrestler, wrestled in the minor leagues. I did TV oh. once for WWF, but I wrestled in Germany, in Bremen, Germany, for Ottawa once and uh, oh, uh, all that different stuff. So I'm six foot ten uh, right now, two seventy, but I used to be six foot ten, three hundred ten pounds. 
uh, played college basketball than went into be a pro wrestler. So I, we oh. can we can we can we have to stay in touch and uh, uh, touch base about uh, war stories of what you did in wrestling. But now let's yeah. jump to specifically your life after. We only have a few minutes. Let's talk about your fitness program with kids and then forty one sports uh, really and the power of fourteen. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Let's go. So tell us a bit about the work, your whole passion to uh, to end childhood obesity. Tell us about that. Yeah. All right. So I'm, so my grandmother, my grandmother used to sit me down and used used to tell me, look, son, the only way for you to be in top shape is to never ever ever have uh, a mental uh, or have to use medication or, or be sick or just stay on top always is to eat from the garden. You have to eat natural foods. You have you have to do everything that you're supposed to do that somebody else wouldn't tell you to do. Which means that everything that I'm telling you to do, as far as uh, as far as eating healthy foods and organic foods and just being true to you and being happy after you eat, not overindulging and staying away from soda, staying away from bread, staying away from dairy, all these things. Because you know it's it's like if you if you don't. If you don't find good foods in, 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 a, in a channel for, for you to actually uh, uh, endure this energy and be able to focus on whatever it is that, you know, like you're, you're, it's like you basically um, are trying to be simplistic and it, you got to have a plan so that you can follow it. And so she would always just instill this into us. You know, you got to have energy. You got to have heart. You got to have, you know, all these values. Exactly. Oh, my. And I can't I can't believe we're cutting off. The time is running. Uh, we talked so much about the career. I'm going to have to reach out to you to have you come back on to get for part two for sure for radio. I will uh, contact a publicist. I want to go more into the fitness stuff with kids, 41 sports. Where is the, the best place we can find information on you, Anthony, really quickly? Where can we At go? At 41sports.com, www.41sports.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.